0: This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. we got a lot to get to today. Gerson Rosas, Timberwolves president, will be on the show in a little bit to talk about the team's future, to talk about Anthony Edwards, who had 42 points last night in a loss, about the team's strategy, and to answer the big question I had for him. If he had to do it all over again right now, knowing how this season was going to play out, would he still have made The Andrew Wiggins and a number one pick for D'Angelo Russell trade. He answered that question. He answered a lot more. So interested to hear what you guys think of the Gerson Rosas interview on this show. But first, what did I miss? Well, you missed a lot of games last night, and you missed one of those nights where uh, it's. It seems like it happens. um, It seems like it happens more often than all. If you got multiple Minnesota teams playing on one night, let's say all three, which we had last night, you had the Twins, the Timberwolves, and the Wild, and there didn't used to be all this much overlap. In a normal year there wouldn't be, but you know because of the COVID schedule push, you know NBA and NHL seasons, regular seasons pushed into May, so we're having a lot more overlap this season. So you had all three of those teams playing last night. All three Minnesota teams lose. Not all losses though are created equal. So I want to start with the Twins because 3 to 1 they lose to Texas and you know they're proving that they can lose in a variety of ways. This one wasn't the, wasn't the bullpen's fault, uh, which is a nice change of pace. Um Lewis Thorpe starting pitcher does okay, 5 innings, 3 runs. Um you know, leaves d- down 3-1, but the Twins had blown a lot of opportunities already in that game including fourth inning when they load the bases with nobody out and don't score. So that score stays 1-1 at the time and you're thinking "Uh uh-oh you know a team that you know to be honest has hit okay relative to the rest of the league um but just didn't uh you know hasn't gotten it done in the biggest moments and I've got a couple numbers to illustrate that in a little bit but anyway Thorpe gets into some trouble in the sixth um leaves Cody Stashek comes in gets nicked up a little bit for two runs it's 3-1 um the runs charge runs charged to Thorpe so it's not really Stashak's fault so Bullpen does fine the rest of the way, including two scoreless innings from Alexander Colomay, which was probably the best news of the Twins' night. But you get the late and close situations, right? The Twins are down 3-1. That game's not out of reach. Their bullpen's actually giving them a chance to keep it close, to to rally in the late innings. They're getting guys on base, getting guys into scoring position, and they just don't score. And that's been a problem this year. That's been a problem this year. They're hitting, Twins are hitting 191 this season in what uh major league baseball defines as late and close situations. 191. That is in the bottom, you know, bottom third of Major League Baseball. I think twenty-first overall. Um, you know, so other teams are worse. Chicago, White Sox are actually the very worst in baseball in that statistic. But uh you know Twins late and close situations hitting 191, slugging 327. That's not going to get it done. They're, they're just not producing in the clutch. Um, like other teams are against them, and that's a uh, that brings me to another stat. I had to look this up after what happened on uh, on on Tuesday's game when they when they lost that late lead, when they lost the three one lead. I mean, this was a perfect example, right? Because they can't come back from a three one game last night, even though they have a lot of chances. It's three one in the ninth going into the ninth inning um, against uh, Texas on Tuesday. Texas rallies, gets it to extra innings, and then they win in extra innings. The Twins already this season that was the fourth example of a game where the twins have lost when they had a win probability you know this is defined by the game situation and how big your lead is they had a win probability of 94 percent or greater after the fifth inning and three of those losses have come when an opponent was down to its final three outs of what would prove to be the game four times this season they've given up a lead in a game where the data suggested that they were going to win with a 94% or better win probability. So, you know, 11 and 18, uh that tells you right there, you know, those those are the losses that 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 haunt you uh, because if you, you know, win probability tells you you should have won all four of those. Even if you just win all three, even if you only had like one really bad gut punch, um you're you're right around 500 right now, you're 14 and 15. Um so they haven't had a, a win conversely where they've really Stunned an opponent in a similar fashion. You know, they've had a walk off, um, you know, but those are more like tie games. Those are, you know, toss up games. We're talking about like. Games where you're like, there's no way they're gonna win this game, or it's very highly improbable they're gonna win this game, and then they come back to win. They have not had one of those, but they sure have had four losses. Final thought on the twins for now. So my, my group chat, one of my group texts, um, my friend Rocket, longtime friend. We've been friends for more than thirty years. We've been talking about the idea that this twins team is a lot like the 2020 Vikings, where they've got all this high-end talent. I've expressed this on the podcast high end talent, but the supporting cast isn't there and they're finding ways to lose. Um, you know, Vikings went seven and nine um in twenty twenty, so that's not a flattering comparison, right? But he's he's like, Well, who is the Kirk Cousins level kind of scapegoat for everything that's going wrong? Who who is the person that fans are directing all of their anger towards at this point because things are not going well. And, you know, and early in the season, it was kind of hard to discern who that was. Maybe it was Miguel Sano for a little while, and then it became kind of Alexander Colomé. But I think the person who's really emerging, manager Rocco Baldelli. And we saw a fire Rocco sign in the stands last night directly behind home plate. You could see it on the Bally Sports North broadcast. Couldn't miss it. Our Carlos Gonzalez got a brilliant picture of it um the fire rocco sign uh tells me and the tweets that i see from all of you directed either at me or just kind of in passing tells me that rocco baldelli is becoming that guy that that you're saying that his managing is is the culprit here and i'm a, i'm I, i've been on this i've i've said he's not done a great job this season but what i'm going to say right now is that he he's not even close to all of the blame um but what i'm finding what i'm seeing is that he is becoming this person that you have decided is the one that you're going to blame for a lot of what's going wrong, much like you did with Kirk Cousins this year in the 2020 Vikings. Like I said at the outset, though, not all losses are created equal. Wild loses in overtime to Vegas, another rally by Minnesota. Two goals by Kirill Kaprizov, two more in the third period. Got them up to one A regulation win over Vegas sure might have made that race a little bit more interesting in the west as it clear as it is now Vegas is 5 points clear of the Wild had the Wild you know not allowed that late goal and got it to overtime they would have been 2 points behind Vegas 74-72 and Colorado lost last night to San Jose so second place still kind of in play although Colorado's got a bunch of easy games coming up relatively easy games against uh, LA the Wild you know was kind of done with a lot of their tougher games but still uh you know still have to play the blues a couple times so Colorado and Vegas do still play each other one more time so that's a game you know where obviously someone is going to uh someone's going to go down in the standings but yeah you know, it's it's just harder to harder to imagine um anything happening there but still the the bigger point is wild playing the kind of hockey right now that you know suggests that they should at least have a competitive series in the playoffs um, you know you can't go in and say they should win this series. Whoever they play, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Colorado, is going to be a challenging first-round opponent. There's just no way around that. So you can't say a loss would be disappointing. You, know, you want them to win, but bottom line is you want to see them have a competitive series. And I'm not trying to set up a moral victory. I'm just saying a lot of times... When Minnesota teams make the playoffs, the series isn't even competitive. I mean, the Twins are a prime example. You know, Losing 18 straight playoff games, those never even really became series uh, when they're getting swept. The Wild, the last three times, they've been, you know, the play-in tournament last year, it was 3-1 against Vancouver. The two times they made the playoffs before that, it was a 4-1 series that didn't even really feel like they had made it a series because they couldn't even win that second game. Timberwolves a few years ago four one against the Rockets like let's have a competitive series at the very least baby steps um, and maybe once you get that far you can think about winning an actual series and the Timberwolves they look really good when uh, Anthony Edwards Carl Anthony Towns and uh, D'Angelo Russell are on the court so I suppose that's encouraging but they lose to Memphis give up 139 points in the loss um, so they are now 20 and 46. With uh with six games left in this season, interesting thing about that. Looking at the Tankathon um, standings right now, and I get into this a little bit more with Gerson Rosas here in just a minute. But uh, the Wo- the Wolves still in that that third spot, third worst record. But the three teams that are directly above them in the standings in terms of you know actual standings, uh, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, Orlando, all of them 21 and 45 right now. So the Wolves are only a game one one win away from catching all three of those teams and could have caught all of them last night with a win. Interesting thing about this, the Wolves play both Detroit, which is one game uh below the Wolves in the standings, and they play uh Orlando still this season. Uh so the Wolves are the only team that has any of these other opponents on their schedule. None of these other teams play each other uh aside from these games, these two games against the Wolves. So the the kind of sifting out you know, of the, of the percentages will, will largely hinge on how the Wolves do against Detroit and Orlando. Could slide down as low as, you know, the second best lottery odds. Uh, could, could go as, as low as number six, um, depending on how things go. And they're going to keep trying to win. I don't think that's a bad strategy. They're going to keep trying to win. But these are, these are the things that they're going to have to be watching as they consider all that. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to StarTribune.com slash subscribe. Really happy to welcome in Gerson Rosas, Timberwolves president to Daily Delivery today. Lots of good stuff to talk about. I've got a lot of questions for him. We'll see how many answers he has for me, but uh, Gerson, welcome! Uh, welcome to the show.
1: My pleasure. Always great to get a chance to catch up with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, it it comes under, uh, under circumstances where you guys have been winning more games lately. Um, you spent, you know, the first, I don't know how many hundred games of your tenure people fans um, upset that you guys weren't winning enough. And then lately fans are upset that you're winning too much because you're going to blow your, uh, your lottery odds. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you win when you win? Uh, how, uh, do you do you hear the chatter and, and and how do you how do you respond to that
1: uh, i i learned very on in uh, in life you can't please everybody so uh, do the right things for the right reasons and let the results fall where they may but you know and in reality you know winning is so important and we've been building up towards this if you know a lot has happened since i've been here uh, things you can control and things you can't control and we're finally at a place where our players for the most part are healthy Uh, We have an environment that we can compete in and play in. And um, every day is so meaningful uh, in terms of building our identity, building our character and building our foundation that we want to set the stage for our guys and how important it is to come in and give it your all and do your best. And success is a good reward for that. So it's it's fun for our group. Organization wise, guys are in a great place. And it's great for our fans that they're seeing the success and the potential that this team holds.
0: I want to ask you about that success in a minute, but I also want to ask you about the trade, you know, 14 months or so ago that brought D'Angelo Russell here. It is the subject of the the consternation now of fans because it does involve potentially a draft pick going out this year. Again, kind of beyond your control at this point, but the the question I need to ask you point blank is if you knew – how this season would unfold record wise, would you still have done that trade in that moment with the protections on the pick that are, that are there right now with golden state?
1: I mean, the reality is, you know, it's cost of doing business. Anytime you want to acquire a player, you have to give something of value. And uh, the reality as we worked through it last year, uh, our focus on changing uh, a player that we have here for a player with higher end talent and an incredible position of need is something that we were incredibly focused on, and as of now, I think our resurgence has happened uh, with the return. So that's paying dividends now. But we put the protection in the pick uh, that we felt like was was critical uh, to keeping the pick. At some point, you're going to give the pick up, whether it's this year or next year. Uh, but we're firm believers. Like we did it for a purpose. Uh, we're seeing the return on that uh, on that deal now and uh the reality is moving forward draft wise in that whole approach none of us control it you know you don't you don't try to manipulate the game i think that hurts the, the organization's character it hurts players motivation uh, and players are very sensitive and intelligent and they recognize if, if you're not trying to win in the nba players know that and they lose credibility and trust in the organization in leadership and in the mission of what you're trying to do. So for us, hey, we're going to give that pickup at some point, whether it's now or next year, whatever the case may be. Um, it'll happen, and it'll process, and it'll transition. We're a better team with D'Angelo Russell, and we're excited about the future uh, because of what that means.
0: Vindication is probably the wrong word, but the the seeing him and Carl Anthony Towns on the court together, at least in a... A continuation of this sample size now they've won. you've won more than you've lost when they've been together what what is it that a you thought that that combination was you know a winning combination and b how much have you seen what you want to see at least so far in that duo
1: yeah i mean what you have there are, are two players who are still going into their prime uh, and have incredible, incredible skill sets. And when you realize, you know, where they went in the draft, they were in the potential and what they've done over their careers, having been all-stars and having been productive players. uh, You know, it's unfortunate that we've had injuries. It's unfortunate that we've had stop and goes with COVID and uh, season starting, but those guys are key cores to a very successful team. And it starts in a lot of ways with their offense. You probably have the greatest shooter at the big spot in Carl and one of the top shooters at the guard spot with D'Angelo and their abilities to not only score but to be versatile and to be playmakers really complement each other and we've seen that I think we're the best team in the fourth quarter here since the uh, all-star break and a lot of time is D'Angelo is a bona fide closer in this league and his ability to make create for shots for himself or his teammates late in games is something we were desperately missing here in the past. And that's something that you just can't replicate and you just can't reproduce in this league. Either you have that or you don't. And the attention that he takes off a cat or other guys is really meaningful. So those guys complement themselves in a lot of way offensively, uh, you know, with their shooting, with their skill set, with their playmaking, uh, with their versatility. Which makes it exciting for our group.
0: Anthony Edwards was, you know, number one pick overall, 2020. He was barely six months ago, which is kind of, uh, <laughs> which just kind of uh, amazing to think about. Um, not even six months ago, I guess, because what it was at November 18th of uh, of last year was the was the draft. That's a. Uh, we're not quite uh, not quite six months removed from that, so we got to keep reminding ourselves of that. We don't
1: know. We don't know what day or or, or what month or no. what period we're in right now. <laughs> it's all
0: it's all a blur. You get to be a certain age, Gerson. By the way, and I'm sure you know this. Like everything <laughs> could be five years ago, could be 15 years ago. I, I, I lose I lose track. But definitely in these last like you know 12 to 12 to 15 months, things are a little bit blurry. But Anthony Edwards. That was a big choice. I want to start there. What was it about him in that moment that that made you say this is the right player for our future? And then I'm going to have a follow up to that as well.
1: Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, when you're picking number one, um, you're you're studying a field, uh, and it was a talented field. Uh, You know, I, I said it often during that process that I was really impressed with the group that was there. Uh, but the more that we dove into it, and it was a historical period because we really had a lot of time to work on the draft, which isn't typically the case. Uh, but the fascinating thing about Anthony Edwards is just uh, not only how talented, how, mu- how much natural talent he has, not much, not how much physical gifts he has because he's so gifted, uh, but it's the upside in him. And the reality is, and I, I tell you, people this all the time. He, uh, he has no idea how good he's going to be. And that's very exciting for us. Like what he's doing right now, we're just scratching the surface. I mean, you're talking about a guy who should have been a freshman in college this year, who reclassified, who's uh, late to the game, uh, who played different sports. But at the end of the day, what, what, what made it clear for me was just the, the, uh, the high level talent with the incredible physical gifts uh, but who he is as a person, uh, the trauma he's overcome, the grit, the toughness, the charismatic nature. He's such a good teammate. He's about the right things. Uh, and he's passionate about being great. And I really felt like an individual like that with those characteristics really, really could complement what we have going in this organization. And it's different than what we've had. And I'm, I'm so excited because he's playing at such a high level. Uh, has been so productive uh, this year at this stage, and when you consider no off season, uh, no summer league, no developmental period, changing coaches, uh, and to see him doing what he's doing, uh, and you know, uh, is special, and it's it's exciting for this organization because his future is very bright, and that's why we picked him. We wanted the guy that not only had the most talent but had the most upside and and the character to be who we need him to be for the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Is there you know, if a sil- if there's a silver lining in all the adversity you face this season with especially with injuries and you know people being out for various reasons is one of those things I mean Edwards had to play a lot and maybe assume a role that was maybe a little bit beyond what you might have expected if if Carl and DeAngelo had been healthy at the beginning of the year and been playing together more do you feel like he grew up a little bit faster, a little trial by fire, just because he, he kind of had to be thrust into that role. Uh, Not, not because there was no other option, but because he was the next logical solution to, to some problems.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And, and, you know, that's the approach that myself, coach, our staff, our players have taken through, you know, 18 to 24 months of so much uncertainty. Like I I often say, "You, you don't choose these things, they choose you. So then it's, how do you respond and we've really embraced the challenges. We've really owned the, uh, the opportunities and made the most of it. And when you talk about Anthony and what he's done, the role he's played, the responsibility he's been given, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been efficient early. Uh, but now you see his development and growth and where he's at and the efficient level he's playing at. I mean, you've got a 19-year-old who's closing games out for us against the best teams in the league scoring 17 18 19 points in a fourth quarter uh, it's 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 rare uh, but that's a special talent and he's just scratching the surface of what one day he'll become'm
0: reminded of how young he is when he said he didn't know that Alex Rodriguez was a baseball player too that was a that was a classic uh, classic ant moment from the year and there's been a few of those you you referenced the the coaching change a minute ago and I want to circle back on that because definitely things have improved it certainly players getting back healthy is a big piece of it but Chris Finch seems like he's got something going here it seems like he has a an idea or two of of how he wants to to run things what what was it about him you've known him for quite a while what was it about him that kind of you had him in your mind as someone that someday you might want to hire him as your coach
1: and, you know, first off, you know, Ryan Saunders did did, did did a great job for us and gave us everything he had over this last period and really allowed us to set the table to, to, to make this change in a lot of ways in that you get to a point with a group that they need a different direction and they need to hear a different voice. And Chris and I, you know, obviously with our experiences together, philosophically, well, we're pretty well aligned. I'm a big fan of the different experiences that he's had coaching everywhere, whether it's internationally or domestically, Uh, you know, just the different progression there, even in the NBA and the different experiences he had. But we really needed more structure. uh, We needed more accountability and we needed more of an edge. And Chris and his staff have done a really good job of creating that for our guys and holding our guys accountable and challenging them to compete every day and be the best that they can be. And you're seeing that. I think what we're doing offensively um, is really unlocking our potential. And a lot of times when you have young players like we do as one of the youngest rosters in the NBA, you need more structure, you need more uh, identity so they can um you know, coexist in and, and, and grow and develop and be better because of that. And I think Chris has done a really good job with that. And we've, we've also changed our defensive philosophy in that we're utilizing who we are as a team, our, our physical attributes, our length, our size, our athleticism, to be more aggressive, um, to be more of an attacking defensive philosophy as we figure out our, our best approach there. And we needed that. We, we've unlocked our young guys. To be fair, we have our vets back and healthy, uh, even though we're, we're missing Beasley. Uh, but there's a stronger identity. There's a stronger foundation. And it's a good platform for our guys to grow and develop in.
0: Enjoying this conversation with Timberwolves President Gerson Rosas. Uh, Gerson, a couple more things for you. One, uh, at the trade deadline, you didn't do anything really this year, which was... Not uh, not like the year before, but uh, understandable. You also, though, at the time said you wanted to see this team grow a little bit. And you said power forward still is a a position that might need to be addressed. Is that going into the offseason? I know draft pick, you know, draft pick, no draft pick could influence some of what you're able to do or want to do. But is that the kind of the number one priority or how do you prioritize the off season as as you kind of assess the roster right now with only a handful of games left?
1: I mean, number one, our our top priority is always to add the highest level of talent you can add and you can't be greedy about what position that is. Uh, Number two, uh, I do think power forward is probably uh, the the biggest uh, question mark for us, even though uh, over the last 10, 15 games here, we've had some resurgent plays from some of our young, our young guys, like whether it's uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Jaden McDaniels is, is doing a really good job at that position, but he's so versatile, we can move him around. Uh, and even Juancho Hernan Gomez uh, has played really well for us. Uh, Nas Reed is playing at an at a all-time high level for him, and we're playing two bigs in a lot of matchups. So... It's good to have productive options. Uh, I hope these guys surprise me here in the offseason. It's important offseason for us, and they can get get that job by the horns. Uh, but if not, we got to look at alternatives to see what we can do to address that position long-term.
0: And kind of an, a, an adjacent question to that to finish up. Um, without knowing exactly what your roster is next season, this might be a difficult question to answer, but what what should be the expectation next season? Because it's felt like this was – Building towards you know your third season is this is when we're going to make our move. Is that still how you're thinking? And and should this team be ready to take you know more than a small step next year?
1: Well, knock on wood. There's no pandemic coming, and we yes, have please, a, you know, yes, yes please, typical- Garrison. <laughs> I'd love more than nothing more than that. <laughs> a typical off season uh, and development time. Uh, no, we're excited, and that's what the end of this season is about. It's been an organizational message that every day counts, every practice, every game. Uh, going down the stretch, finishing strong, going into the off season. Like our next season has started already, and our goal is to be a winning team next year, and it starts now. It's not about next season or next training camp or what that next roster looks like. It's what our guys do now and what our core grows and develops to be successful now. But that's a big part of our emphasis here in in this last quarter of our season was just getting our guys healthy, building our identity and really setting the tone for the off season and next season. Now,
0: Gerson Rosas really appreciate getting a chance to catch up with you. Thanks for answering all of my questions to the best of your (laughs) abilities. And we will uh, we'll chat with you again soon. All right.
1: Always a pleasure. Always enjoy catching up with you. All right. Take care, Gerson. Take care. All the best.
0: Enjoyed that chat with Gerson Rosas. Hope you did too. Lots of work still to do in this off season. I think, um, you know, as, as, Improved as things have been in certain stretches in the second half of this season for the wolves. You can still see a lot of deficiencies in this roster and that's going to be on Gerson Rosas to improve in the off season. Let's end with the cooler. Happy birthday Willie Mays, 90 years old. That makes him the oldest living member of the baseball Hall of Fame. Just an amazing player, my dad's all-time favorite player. He emailed me a couple times earlier this week. Hey, you should you know don't forget Willie Mays' birthday is is Thursday. You know he was my favorite, so I was going to mention him anyway. But that was an extra nudge that I should uh, I should mention this. But uh, you know some definite local connections beyond that. Um, You know, 70 years ago, Willie Mays was playing here in Minneapolis for the Millers right at this time of year. Hit uh, 477 in 35 games for the Millers, who were part of the American Association back then, Class Triple A. Would have loved to have had him here for longer, but he was just so good. He got called up, and the rest was kind of history. One rookie of the year that year, you know, ends up winning his first MVP award a few years later. MVP awards, batting titles, you know, amazing defense. He could hit. He led the league in homers. Sometimes had led the league in triples. Led the league in, you know on you know on base percentage late in his career when he kind of reinvented himself as a as a walk guy just an amazing 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 athlete an amazing player um and you know just very cool to to celebrate his birthday today 90 years old for willie mays and uh yeah happy birthday to willie mays That'll do it for today. Chip Scoggins on Friday's show to talk Twins. This is the five-year anniversary of his total system failure column from uh, 2016 season. Twins play again this afternoon. I'll actually be going to that game, my first Twins game in more than a year. Looking forward to that. And uh, Chip and I should have a lot to talk about on, uh, on Friday's show. Thanks for listening today. Downloads, download this podcast, please. Write a review if you can. Read Star Tribune and starttribune.com always. And we will see you again on Friday.